Well, I guess that means we're going to be doing this for at least another week. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here on this breezy Wednesday evening as we prepare for the opening round of the A-League Final Series for season 2021. And for the 12th time in club history, Scott, and 11th time in the last 12 years, the Roy going to be participating in the A-League Final. So that's got to make you happy, right? It does, and they'll be in the finals this weekend. Apologies for my voice, everyone. If you've heard it on the Sunday show, you know it's not the best. But yeah, they'll be in the finals, and it's great to be back in the finals. The home final for the first time in four years. Looking forward to it. Yes, the first home final since April 21st, 2017, which was, of course, that memorable penalty shootout against the Western Sydney Wanderers. Since then, the Raw technically have hosted a final last season, although that was in the A-League hub, so... All that really meant was they got to wear their orange kit, Adam. Yeah, um, they said, you know, if we get if we get the same sort of uh, game as we did uh, four years ago, I think those that will be going to uh, Morton Daly Stadium on Sunday will be get their money's worth. That's for sure. I I think so too, and it, it is a really good reward for the Roar. And what has been, look, I know they're not alone in this. Every club has had plenty of challenges to get through the last six or so months but it's good to see them finishing in fourth place getting a home final at their new home and yeah I, I've really enjoyed it and obviously you know we will get into the game on Saturday evening against Sydney but first, I kind of want to just start off talking about the fact that it's finals football it's going to be fun and yeah there's going to be a whole lot to enjoy regardless of whether the raw season ends after 90 minutes or they're playing for the toilet seat in a fortnight from now. Um, should uh, get the usual plugs out of the way first. Um, Facebook, The Raw Review. Twitter, at BNE Football. You can find live coverage of every Brisbane Raw senior match and select National Premier League matches on those accounts. Uh, email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Comments, questions, discussion topics, which we may need with less football to talk about over the next few weeks. And you'll obviously listen to the podcast on Wooshka, iTunes, Spotify. Um, if you can work out the new Apple Podcasts update, then you're doing better than me. I'm looking for a new podcast provider. It's that uh, frustrating to get my head around. So any suggestions, BrisbaneFootballReview at gmail.com. Okay, got that over and done with. And yeah, so the Roar are going to be taking on Adelaide in the A-League Elimination Final this Sunday, 3.05pm at Morton Daly Stadium. It wasn't the perfect build-up, to be fair. It was a 2-0 loss to Sydney in the 11th game for the Raw in 38 days, Scott. And I suppose we shouldn't have been too surprised to see maybe not a B team, but definitely a rotated squad for this match. Yeah, I don't think it was the B team by any stretch of the imagination. They were flat. Again, we've seen this a couple of times now. We spoke about it. Was it last week we spoke about it? And the, the show, the that, and the week before that, and the week before There was one recap of the game in the last couple of weeks, I remember we were saying how they were really flat, and it was the same again in this game. I thought they had a lot of possession and a lot of territory, but I kind of thought Sydney wanted that. If you look at the way Sydney played, they really sat back and let the Raw have the ball, and the Raw weren't able to do much with it at all for the first half an hour, and they are a bit better in the second half and towards the back end of the first half, but I don't think they were at their sharpest on Saturday afternoon and maybe they've kept a little bit up their sleeve for the finals as they meet Sydney again but it wasn't the greatest of games was it? It was one of those games where if you look at the raw side of things that 
You can almost tell in the, uh, in the back of back of their minds that you know it was mission accomplished as far as we, they the the fi home final was already locked away before before they even uh, kicked off on Saturday with after some some you know, I'd say interesting results uh, that, that basically saw Adelaide and MacArthur lock in fifth and sixth spot and while this didn't seem to be the desperation um, needed to sort of really go and you know push on. But also as well, to to uh, Sydney's credit, uh, Tom Hewitt Bell in goals for Sydney. He was he was outstanding. I mean, probably you know he probably earned uh, Sydney FC all, all three points. Not that they really served they themselves really need it, as uh, Steve Gorica sort of said after the game. That probably wasn't their best performance either. But uh, I think it was one of those games where it came where you know last round finals on the horizon. Um, I think if both teams left a bit in the tank. They definitely did. It was a case of let's just get through this uh, match in one piece. But I'm not quite sure the Raw were anywhere near as flat as they were when they played in Adelaide about four weeks ago or heading down to the Wanderers uh, two Sundays uh, before today, where I actually think there were a few sparks here and there. Alex Parsons forced a really good save out of Hayward Bell. And overall, I think the Raw pushed but they made sure that they didn't put out their back pushing for the result. Obviously, as you said, Adam, the biggest uh, factor in all of that was the fact that they had the home final locked up, and I think if they needed to get something from that match, they were in a position to go for it. And I, th I thought overall it wasn't the worst performance by any stretch of the imagination, and quite honestly, I think, yeah, they, they did what they needed to do. That was the big takeaway. And we did get to see some of the uh, pl some players uh, get a good warm up for finals. Uh, some of the guys who are going to play big roles, like Parsons, like Kai Truant, still look pretty good. Jordan Courtney Perkins probably didn't have the best day. I thought he was getting targeted early on, but that's what you get when you're only playing. I think it's your fourth or fifth match of the season. Yeah, right. Kekos Barbarusis um, with pretty much a. He was the one, sort of, especially early on, that was really putting pressure on um, on Courtney Perkins and uh, on that side as well, you know, forcing Corey Brown to sort of you know, defend defend a little bit more. And it pretty much ultimately what what led to the um, I was going to say the only goal of the game, but um, the sort of the, the first goal um, where where Barbarusis was able to get get loose down that side and uh, and yeah, and was able to shoot past. Uh, Jamie Young after 16 minutes, so in the end, um, yeah, it was, it was a tough day for Jordan Courtney, per Jordan Courtney Perkins. But look, by no such imagination, he had a bad game. I think he recovered well. It's just, you know, again, it's one or two moments that uh, that you know, in the end, uh, was the difference. And just as well, Scott, on the intensity of the game, yes, it wasn't, you know, being played at breakneck pace, but. I think, to, to the Roar in Sydney's credit, it was a step above being a pre-season friendly, and it didn't quite have the desperation of a finals match either, but there were times where both teams were going for it, and as the Roar were trying to chase down the equaliser in that final 20 or so minutes, you could tell that they still wanted to get it, and obviously you, it's what you would expect from these guys being professionals as well. Yeah, it picked up in the second half, didn't it? The first half, it was almost like a pre-season game in a way. It was very slow build up measured and it was almost when you've got Luke Bratton on a, basically sitting on a situation where he could have picked up a yellow card and missed the semi-final and I think he made one challenge for the entire game and they took him off immediately straight after <laughs> early in the second half but 
that just shows you if you've got a central midfield player who's basically been told don't make a challenge and he's been pretty much untested. It was pretty slow in the first half from both sides, not just Brisbane. It picked up in the second, obviously, as I mentioned, but I do think, yeah, it picked up in the second, but I just, it didn't, it, the start, that sums up the fact that it was a slower start, doesn't it? That they were able to nurse Luke Bratton through. The, I thought the Raw really should have gone at him and so, seems they could get that yellow card. Yeah, um, it, it seemed, yeah, it seemed interesting to me, yeah, that, that they, they risked Luke Bratton. Um, and it's actually, I think actually the surprising thing about Sydney's, uh, Sydney's selection was it was other than the three players that were were you know, called away on Socceroos duty uh, in uh, Andrew Redmayne, Ryan McGowan, and uh, Ryan Grant. That um, that yeah, that basically they they pretty much played it at full strength. So they obviously were planning to sort of go as you know with the best possible line that they will have available for the final series to go against the Raw. So, the fact that the, that the Raw were in that for most of the game, other than the one sort of opportun- opportunity that they gave up to Costa Barbarousas, um, it was a fairly even game that, in that regard. Yeah, for sure. And while, while we're just talking about the match in general, why don't we hear from the Raw coach Warren Moon after the match in the press conference? Yeah, obviously disappointed with the result, but but I have to say, really, really pleased with the performance. Um, you know, <clears throat> we made some changes tonight, um, put some young boys in, and uh, yeah, really, really pleased with with how uh, they performed tonight. Whilst obviously still being disappointed with the result. Um, yeah, Warren, you've obviously had a pretty busy schedule. Um, do you think there was any sign of fatigue from your players today? Yeah, look, to be honest, Carly, I think there's sign of fatigue four weeks ago. But uh, yeah. such as the group, we, we kept going and we've got a great spirit. And, uh, <clears throat> you, you know, we did rest some players today. And, uh, you know, we made sure the ones that definitely needed the rest have one. And uh, but, but boys kept putting their hands up to play today as well. And, uh, you know, Corey and uh, Nevs wanted to play. And, uh, you know, but we had to obviously manage them and take them off at, you know, at times of the game where you wouldn't normally do that. It's such a constant theme for last sort of uh, few games. Eli Adams made his debut tonight. Um, Cyrus Stanley and Alex Parsons three months ago they were starting for the MPL team. Now they're on a different A League game. Is that just proof of you know the youth system as far as here at, at the Roar and how much they're achieving in such a short time? Absolutely. And we hadn't pinned back for large periods with, which is essentially homegrown local talent. All right, that was Warren Moon after the match. And obviously, I don't think he was too despondent because it was mission accomplished going into uh, kick off, going into the match as well. It was a good final week of the A-League season, even though, you know, Adelaide did take a little bit of the uh, intrigue out of it on Thursday night. But from a raw perspective, Adam, I'll go to you just to give Scott a bit of welcome relief, I think, as he uh, tries not to sound like Paddy and or Selma. Uh, were there any plays that you were surprised to... <laughs> were there any plays that you were surprised to Raw uh, put out for this match? Just looking at the squad, it, it definitely was a rotated one, but I was a little bit surprised we didn't see someone like a Hashan Ramazani get a run at fullback. Um, the, actually, probably the one selection that surprised me was Corey Brown. Um, from from the story that we heard from uh, Wednesday night, that pretty much he had to seek medical attention after being a. I think he was exhausted. Um, that you know, 
at, at half time against Perth, uh, the fact that they didn't take an opportunity to rest him um, was a surprise. But apparently we found out also as well that he, he was offered and he said no, he wanted to play. So I guess that in a way, um, when the senior player, when he's given the option um, and he, he sort of you know, knocks it back, I guess that shows you know, his, his hard determination. Um, Scott Neville's probably another one I thought they could have done with a breather, not because he's not playing well, but just to, just to freshen up. Uh, because the Roy weren't exactly um, weren't exactly struggling for defenders either. I think they named I think in their in their twenty, I think they named seven or eight defenders in their in their side. So it wasn't. It's not like they they're struggling for defenders, but obviously uh, the, the senior players in the side they all want to play, and uh, the young. So the, the only sort of other surprise is that Macaulay Gillespie still you know, hasn't been cited. Well, just on that as well, I, I uh, completely unconfirmed rumour coming out of the Raw camp. I'm sure they did offer Corey Brown the chance to uh, rest from this game, but I'm fairly certain they did say, uh, by the way, you have heard the story of Wally Pip and Drew Bledsoe as well, haven't you? <laughs> well, I actually do think Corey Brown should have... Um, yeah, that's a great reference, but I do think Corey Brown should have rested and... It might have been a good chance to play Anthony Burke Gilroy, actually, just give him a full 90 minutes in the alley and see exactly what he has. But he withdrew from the NPL game on today with an illness, I believe, and that has nothing to do with me, James. I was not anywhere <laughs> near Walter Park on Sunday, so I have no association with that whatsoever. But I would have been, it would have been good to see Anthony play a full 90 minutes in the alley and see what he has to offer. But an opportunity missed there, but we'll, I'm sure we'll see it at some point. Well, I'll tell you what, he didn't look too bad in the time that he did get on the pitch on uh, Saturday. He was buzzing around, and I thought he was actually one of the you know liveliest substitutions we've seen from a raw player for quite a while. He was, I was really impressed, and he wasn't afraid to try things, which was just a lot of fun to watch as well. Yeah, no, he uh, for the minutes he's, he's given so far, he's shown that he's, he's got a bit to him. So let's let's just hope that he can. Uh, that they, they keep him around for, for another season. I think he'll only grow in that role, and obviously as well, more depth in, the, in those fullback roles uh, is, is what they need. And also, as well, he's, he's very versatile where he can play anywhere across the back, as, as well as in those defensive midfield positions. So he's a very, very handy player. If he keeps on sort of going as well, I think by the sounds of it, it looks like it, that that he'll probably spend out the rest of this season maybe perhaps playing in the MPL side, which I think that's going to be... Be very very interesting to see how he goes because he certainly, he certainly looks like he can play at the A League level. He might be an absolute superstar at NPL level. We can we can only hope because if there's one thing the Raw NPL uh, team needs, it's another superstar, right? <laughs> um, speaking speaking of one of those uh, future NPL superstars who um, was able to make their debut was Eli Adams, who came on late in the picture and. Well, look, I'm not. I'm not going to judge his whole career based solely on the five or so minutes that we actually got to see him. I think, you know, I'm not going to say that he's going to wind up scoring a Champions League winning goal for Arsenal or anything like that in three years. But again, it's another reward for the uh, pipeline. And now, one of those times where I wish we actually got uh, the audio of Robbie Slater possibly saying his smartest thing of the season. As uh, yeah, I, I I was really really. I'm just really impressed at the number of players that have made their debut. Champions League, Arsenal? Don't you mean conference? Whatever. The new UEFA conference thing that, that's happening? The Carabao Cup, same thing. All, all competitions that are <laughs> below Eli Adams, anyway. 
<laughs> but either way, yes. I like yeah, Robbie Slater on the broadcast actually was talking about the number of um young debutants that have come through uh, from the NPL rankings and I was talking to um Campbell, one of the other FQ commentators, just running through the I think was it eight players uh from the NPL setup have made their debut this or last season and a couple have come through uh, to earn regular starting roles, Scott. Yeah, so this year it's obviously Alex Parsons, Macklin Freak, um, Keegan Yelichich, Cyrus, Stemmy, um, uh, was Brendan McMorrow was on the bench a couple of weeks I didn't get on, but you've got... Um, Ramazani? Uh, what's, Ramazani as well, and you've also got Eli Adams at the weekend. End of last year, Kai Truen got an opportunity. So a lot of players out of that youth team in the last 12 to 18 months have got the opportunity. That doesn't even begin to cover players like Danny Kim and Josh Brindle South who were outstanding performers in the NPL for Lions so we, we knew Warren Moon was going to look at that as a real source of talent and he most certainly has it's been absolutely fantastic he, it's actually he, been the best part of the A-League season hasn't it not just with Brisbane but across the board the amount of young players who's got the opportunity yeah definitely and it's got it's something that I really think is being a concerted effort um from the raw under Warren Moon and it's really encouraging as well because I think what we're going to see as well with the NPL is going oh hang on now we've actually got a much more clear path to a professional contract and you might see a few more of these players plucked out not just from Lions or the raw setup which Moon is obviously very familiar with but you're seeing plenty of players uh, you're seeing plenty of players uh, make their case as well yeah well um, I actually uh mentioned in a question to Warren Moon at the press conference that in round in round one of the MPL season you had you had Eli Adams, Cyrus Demi and Alex Parsons start for the Raw MPL side against the Eastern Suburbs. Fast forward that four months, those three players who finished the game in the final regular season game, you know, in the A League for Brisbane Raw. How 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 is that forward, you know, so as far as you know, progression for for those part uh, for those for those young players. So there's certainly a concerted effort, especially by Warren Moon, and as well as Adelaide United as well, who also were praised for the amount of young players they've brought through. But I think it's actually across the board, um, across all clubs, because it demanded it as far as you know this season and the ways so of the uncertainty of everything that's going on. And as Scott said, I agree. It's probably been the most best and satisfying part of watching this season is seeing young player after young player get, get an opportunity. And that is also one of those rule changes that was brought in a couple of years ago, but it's now actually uh, being put to use in the way that it was intended to be with the extended benches. You're able to name, was it just looking at the lineup from um, Saturday, you've got Ramazani, Adams and Demi on the bench. You go back and watch an A-League match from five years ago, those guys wouldn't even get a sniff of the match day squad, would they? No, they wouldn't. You look at there were a whole heap of journeymen on the bench, weren't they? You look at we're not going to name any of them to uh, do respect, but there were a lot of journeymen who've gone from club to club to club, or the A League recycling stuff. And those players have kind of moved on now, haven't they? It's been along with along with a lot of the visa players who come in and offer absolutely nothing. Those two those two groups of players have tended to be moved on, and they've been replaced by young, hungry talent who's stepped up and proven they've got plenty to offer, and that's definitely the way forward. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, and it's an approach that, you know, hasn't come about 
under the best of circumstances, what with the whole global pandemic massively impacting the finances of basically every football club around the world, right up to the big boys of Real Madrid, Barca, PSG. It's amazing those clubs find themselves in debt. Hey, I just saw they're paying uh, Donnarumma at PSG sixty million dollars over the next five, sixty million euros over the next five years. It's a miracle, really. Just can't. How are they going to afford Parsons now? I don't. I don't know. I'm. Like, if, if Don Amir is getting 60 million euros over five years, then surely Parsons has got to warrant at least 62. Got the former AC Milan goalkeeper. Yes, or well, soon to be former AC Milan goalkeeper. Nah, apparently... he, nah, he's worth it. He's worth it. Yes, Bidding but. starts at 70 now, James. The price has gone up. Yeah. Uh, can I also just point out as well, though, that um, apparently. I did see today that uh, Donnarumma may have to go on loan in his first season with PSG because he'll still have to back up Kilo Navas for the time being. So, yes. Anyway, back to my original point, which was not ideal circumstances. However, it has produced what has been, I would say, a fairly encouraging influx of uh, young talent across the board. And, yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy with it. Now, on to the final point from this match. And thankfully, we are going to end our Sydney recap and several tangents on a positive note. And just like we did at the uh, Brisbane Roar's final W League game of the season, we're able to discuss the Brisbane Roar A-League player of the season by the Brisbane Football Review. So, Adam, you did all the tallying this season, so I'm going to let you run through, well, basically, the votes and who won, even though most people listening to this probably would have seen it on our socials already. Yeah, I've got to go find them. <laughs> so I, just got to <laughs> I, I should have teed you up a little bit better for that. But I can, I can tell you the the, win, the winner was uh, I think by sounds of by by uh, that we got it right as a panel this year. Uh, Ricky Danzaki yeah. uh, was named uh, as the Brisbane as the Brisbane Football Review Player of the Year, and I had the A League Player of the Year, A League Player of the Year, and I had the honour and privilege to present the trophy to him after the game at uh, Morton Daly Stadium and the only words he understood from me was uh, Arigato Gozaimas. So yeah so yeah but um, so just trying to find the rest of the points well I'll take you through it from the Facebook post because while you were yep, talking there I was bringing it up actually. Joey Champman has finished second on 47 points so, um, Jay O'Shea 45 Jamie Young 42 and Kai Truen 42 points that was the rest of the top five and just like the W League award, uh, the three of us uh, gave three to one votes at the end of every match or Wednesday when we were recording because we forgot to send the message through, either or. But um, yeah, so overall, I can't argue too much with Riku winning that award. We did. I was a little bit surprised to see uh, Joey Chantness uh, finish in second place on 47 because he's had a good season, but... I think the way that we were discussing it as well off um, off air was that when Chatness was good, he was arguably the best player on the pitch for the Raw. And that was, I think, where he probably earned most of his uh, votes, at least in my mind, where, yeah, he, he might have two or three games where he got half of his uh, points. Yeah, it's a, yeah, that's the thing is, is that um, he was... Yeah, he, he was scoring points... Yeah, in big numbers. Like, it's getting three points from all three of us. You know, when he played well, and obviously when he didn't play or didn't play play well, well, that you know, he wasn't. It was sort of rocks and diamonds with him. Uh, you got to remember as well, he did miss at least uh, three games because of Newcastle, the Newcastle loan deal. So that that sort of put put him out 
in in a way. So it could be interesting to see what happens. But I'm sure that we will at some point actually publish the full voting just for uh, public disclosure. We got we got nothing to hide. Uh, but then I said I think that it'd be a deserved winner. Uh, can I just clarify before you go, Scott? We've got nothing to hide, but we're all going to be in off-season mode uh, fairly soon, so there may be a chance that we just can't be bothered. <laughs> yeah, we've got nothing to hide, but we're going to hide after we put everything out. That's the way it's going to be. But I think 20 different players, when we were looking at it before we started recording, picked up a vote this year, so it was a fairly well-spread-out thing. But yeah, the top five, six, I think Wenzel Halls was six. Those top six were pretty clear, weren't they? And yeah, as we mentioned, Joey Chimps had those couple of really good games in the middle of the season, and he got a lot of vo- lot of votes in those games, which is why he's a little further up the, the um, leaderboard than people might have expected. But I think he's had a good season anyway, Joey. I think he deserves to be in that top bracket. Yeah, and just looking at the names as well, like Jay O'Shea, when he was on, he was almost unplayable. Like the Adelaide game and victory games back-to-back in January, February, where... He, he was just phenomenal in those games and all those players you look at and go I know exactly why they're up there obviously Riku was just an X-Factor player Champness again as we said when he was good he was really good um, O'Shea the quarterback um, Jamie Young well no no wait I can't say that <laughs> almost almost swore um, about how obvious it would be that Young would be in the mix and Truen I, again I've said this a few times already. Like, I thought he was ready for a stint in the NPL for a while. Injuries uh, came on board and he just absolutely stepped up in the best possible way. And yeah, he, he's just been arguably probably the breakout player of the entire A-League this season. And yes, I say that with orange-coloured glasses. Yeah, I was going to say that he, he pretty much will be, you know, yeah, odds-on favourite to win Breakout Player of the Year for the Raw, but I'd, you're right. I'd almost argue that, you know, if there's such such award for uh, across the whole league, uh, he, he he possibly could be uh, in, the, in the running for that. We'll probably do our awards on our final show of the year, but I think there's another couple of players there who would be in line for the Breakout Player of the Year. It'd actually be very, very interesting to see who does win that award when we hand that out mm. in the last couple of weeks, but there's a couple of contenders there. He's been fabulous, so... Well, spoiler alert, I think I just revealed who I was voting for. <laughs> I don't know, I might have too. Far less formal voting process for those awards than our Player of the Year, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. All right, um, now we're going to move on to the news segment. And, well, there was a pretty big uh, continental story that broke during the week. So let's get into that now. You know, we all wanted to go. It was, it was an opportunity for us as a club to go. Um, but unfortunately, you know, given the circumstances and the current climate around the world and, and in Asia, you know, it just wasn't to be. So, um, you know, we're disappointed, but we understand the reasons why we can't. That was Warren Moon, of course, talking about the reports that the A-League clubs are going to not participate in the 2021 edition of the Asian Champions League. Uh, Brisbane Raw, Sydney FC and Melbourne City are all withdrawing. And this was the statement that they had. Qualification for the ACL is a significant driver of competition in Australian domestic competitions and Australian clubs remain committed to participating and performing well in the ACL. 
Despite exhaustive efforts to overcome the impact of COVID-related issues, it has become clear that Brisbane, Melbourne City and Sydney FC will regrettably be unable to attend their respective hubs in this year's tournament. The decision comes after extensive consultation with all stakeholders, including medical advisors, the PFA and government agencies. Football Australia has informed the AFC of the club's withdrawal. Now, a couple of points on this that I think we really need to uh, start off with. Firstly, Adam, then you, Scott. Uh, do you agree with the decision? Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, based on simply that I actually believe that this tournament shouldn't be happening. Not in, not in 2021. It, like, I get why they did in 2020 because it restarted and they had to sort of find a quick-fire solution and, that, and you know, Qatar were happy to sort of host all, all the, basically all the clubs in to, to complete their competition. But at no point... I know, and I know they've gotten through the group stages over in in the West Asian countries and whatnot. But given what is going on at the moment globally, to expect Australian teams to to travel to places like Thailand, you know, potentially to you know for Sydney to go to Uzbekistan of all places, I just think that you know, I, I just hope that the AFC actually shows some common sense and actually you know that that you know that there's no sanctions to. Football Australia and the individual clubs, because you've got to, they've got to understand that you know we are currently at the moment in the midst of a, a global pandemic. That's not something that the Australian government made up. That is the World Health Organization who have you know decreed that it's still a pandemic. So while that's on, I'd be very very disappointed you know if this Asian Football Confederation did punish you know the Australian clubs for not participating because. You know, and it also it also comes back to as well where the players you know have the desire to to do another two weeks of quarantine or, or not. That that'd be a big factor as well, especially for say Brisbane Raw, who you know could potentially could be one one and out. Um, it's a long way to go for one game, and then you know spend two weeks away from your family again. You know because of the you know because of the travel ban the Australian government provided that have, have had, and uh, and having to quarantine back on arrivals. So. Look, I, personally, no, I, I, I have no problem them pulling out, and this tournament shouldn't be happening. Yeah, I agree. You mentioned they should, should show some comments. I haven't shown any so far, let's be honest. If they were actually going to do this seriously, they should have played the entire thing in one country. Like, all of East Asia qualifying, and they shouldn't even have qualifying. For this, all right, for this year, it was a one-off. We understand teams normally qualify, but because of a global pandemic, we can only bring so many teams together, so... These are the teams in the group stage, and we apologise to the various teams and confederations that they can't participate in the qualification process. That's what they should have done as a starting point, because to get teams to go over and qualify, I thought, I think in hindsight, as much as we all would have loved to see the Raw participate, and I would have, and Warren Moon said they would have loved to participate, it was always a long shot. I think people have said, oh, it's because the A-League finals on. I don't think that's it. I think if the timing was right, I still think this would be the, the decision that would happen, because it's just... It's not the right time to be travelling overseas for a, for a qualifying game, is it? Let's be honest. And it's 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 a great tournament to be in, and we hope that the Raw are in it again one day in the future. We hope they perform better in it than they have in the past. But the timing's not right, is it, James? To be playing in the Champions League at the moment, it's just with everything going on in the world, it's just it's not right the right time to be travelling. And I can completely understand why the players, are, if they were reticent to participate in another hub, and then a two-week quarantine period when they get home, given their disappointment at having to do two weeks in hotel quarantine coming back from Sydney 
last year, I can understand if they didn't want to do it again, I can see why that would be the case. Uh, I can't really add too much more to that. And I suppose I'll, I'll take a slightly different angle on this as well from what you two have said and just purely bring it down to, uh, I, sp- I suppose, a human level and say, if I'm one of the players... I've got absolutely no interest in going over there. Like, if, if I was playing, you know, for the Raw City or City or Sydney FC, I'd be looking at this going, what do I have to gain from this? It's going to be a massive stuff around just getting over there, play, possibly playing one game, and next thing you know, you could be stuck back in a hotel for two weeks. And if, if I was... If the Raw were playing and any of the senior players went, nah, screw it, tear up my contract, I'm not going... I would be completely in support of them, and I honestly get the feeling that there might be some uh, people in the raw uh, front office that may be supporting the players on that as well. Yeah, well, look, it comes comes back to to that. It, you know, at the end of the day, these football players are still human beings. You know, they still have families. You know, as much as we idolise them, as much as we, you know, we put them on a pedestal and think that, you know, that they that they're superhuman. At the end of the day, they have families. So a, lot, a lot of them have young families. Uh, you know, just I uh, just married or have young kids and whatnot to go through two weeks of quarantine for look, let's, let's face it, a meaningless tournament where the Raw were probably at long odds to get past two games, even if they beat Kaya and beat them well. There was every chance that Shanghai Port were going to knock them off in three days' time anyway. So to go to Thailand for four days, probably get you know smashed in that second game, and then come back for two weeks quarantine. Oh, yeah, it's a bum deal for the players. And I've heard people sort of say, oh, but it's all right for the Socceroos and all that. Representing your country is a completely different topic. I don't even want to hear that, you know, that, that comparison of, oh, the Socceroos versus, you know, representing your club. Because it's, it's not even on the same patch. You have to play. The Socceroos had to play the World Cup qualifier because it means more. But the Champions League, as far as I'm concerned, it can get in the bin. It's it's not worth it. And I am completely 100% um, supportive of the Raw, Sydney and Melbourne um, making a decision to pull out. Yeah, and one last thing on this. We've talked about the players that probably didn't want to do hotel quarantine again, which I can completely understand that view from them. you got to remember the things they've given up as well, James, in the past 18 months that they have not been able to do just to keep the sport going in this country, not just... Not just with the hub last year where they were away for a long period of time and then had to do quarantine on the way back. There's been certain guidelines this year I'm sure they've had to abide by which have been very much unnormal from what they would have been doing prior. So they've given plenty to the players in, in the A-League and on all sports. And if, if they did draw the line, and I'm not, I don't know if they did, if they drew the line that we don't want to go, then I am completely with them. Yeah, I, I yeah, that's pretty much it. And look, obviously, you know, we have a fairly sour relationship with the Asian Champions League as Raw fans because, let's be honest, there hasn't been... Well, that wouldn't have helped it, would it? That little rant we've just gone on. No, <laughs> probably not. But, I mean, like, there we've had some highs, obviously, you know, beating, um, was it Carlos Tevez's side a few Sh- years Sh- ago? Sh- but there have also been that many just awful, awful nights. Um, and it just, yeah, I, I just can't really get too excited about it. And... Truth be told, like I, I just wasn't too excited about the Raw taking part in it this year anyway. Well, it's not, it's not that we don't like the tournament. Like, I, look, I've had the privilege of actually going to, you know, to seeing the Asian Champions League, you know, overseas in, in Japan. So, I, 
it's not that I don't like I don't like the tournament or anything like that. It's just not the right time. Just the global scenario at the moment. It's not the right time. Why can they not wait until things get back to normal and then make it the biggest thing? Because they even, despite everything that's going on, the Asian Football Confederation tried to push through this new format of 40 teams. Was this the right year to do that? You know, I understand this commercial pressures and all that. And like I said, I just all I ask and I pray for is that the that the AFC actually show some common sense and actually show some you know consistency and not you know not fine or punish the Australian clubs or Football Australia in general <coughs> for this decision. That that's all that's all we ask. Yeah, I don't think there'll be any sanctions in that way. I think it's more going to be a case of the the nations in East Asia. A lot of them already or West West Asia East, East Asia. Asia. East Asia. Sorry, I'm getting my. Yeah. I'm all confused this week, but a lot that's of those a, that's nations a have least. Thank you. <laughs> but a lot of them have already said in the past they don't not overly enamoured with Australia being in Asia for various reasons. And well, I don't think they're going to be. They're not going to kick Australia out of Asia. It's just going to be another one of those things where they hold it over. So, oh, you didn't participate in the Champions League in 2021. And to Adam's point, there's a lot of lot of um nations who've and teams who've pulled out now, and I completely understand why they all have. I mean. Well, I think this new 40 team thing is a joke anyway. Oh, they're, they're too busy trying to... It's partially financially, partially trying to mimic the European Champions League. I think we've got to find something in Asia which is far more suitable for our football here. Not just not just in terms of trying to copy and the geographics of Asia is so difficult. They've got to find something that works and I don't think a 40 team tournament is it. Let's be honest. That's not, that's not the way forward for the Champions League in Asia. According to um, to uh, Paul Williams, who's, a, who's an expert in this, uh, Australian teams could be playing the AFC Cup in 2024, the way things are going as far as how the uh, coefficients and whatnot goes. So we might find something more our level. Well, there we go. Um, and yeah, on that as well, like, that was the other point that I probably, that I did want to uh, discuss, but I think we probably covered anyways. The issue of sanctions where, well, I, I wouldn't blame the AFC if they said, all right, your non-participation results in an X dollar fine um, for the three clubs or for, or for the uh, APL or FA or whatever like organising body they do. And, you know, I think we can probably uh, not count on any uh, Asian support next time Australia wants to bid for a World Cup or an Asian Cup or something. But that might be where the, ram- where the ramifications come from is that it's... Yeah, I think that they might be alone for a while, Australia, in that regard, politically. Well, we saw what happened when they bid for 2018 and 2022. They weren't exactly full of support back then, either. No, they weren't. And as for the sanctions, to quote the great Daryl Kerrigan, James, tell them to get stuffed. I thought it was tell them they're dreaming. That too. (laughs) Seriously, if they're going to start banning teams from participating in competition because of their backing out, well, they can start with... Was it North Korea who backed out of the World Cup qualifiers? Them and yep. also that would be a far that would be a far more serious thing to, to back out of than the Champions League to me. So and, yeah. and also they can um, start there if they want to start issuing ridiculous sanctions like that. It's not going to happen. And also as well, they're the, not going to start banning countries from the Champions League. Sorry, uh, yeah, the, like uh, Johor um, Darul Tazim, uh, the, the uh, Malaysian champions, they pulled out last year's uh, tournament in the hub in Qatar because the Malaysian government banned them from from travelling to Qatar so there is there is precedent and they're participating in this year's edition because obviously going to uh, 
Thailand or wherever they they're going to, or China or wherever the their hub is, is a lot closer. So look, there's precedent for for it anyway that they'll show some leniency. So, but yeah, like it's just it's just not the time. Yeah, I, I that's what I would, yeah keep coming back to is I think we're probably going to land on a slap on the wrist, maybe a you know a little bit of um, flipping off Australian football behind its back, but. Nothing too serious in terms of, like, banning teams. Okay. <laughs> Nothing new now. either. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> All right. Uh, final point uh, that we need to get through this evening. Um, it's a finals preview because, believe it or not, the A-League is actually on track to uh, complete the season on time. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Scott, for the reminder. The Socceroos won their two World Cup qualifiers. They were as competitive as you expect against Kuwait and Chinese Taipei. Aggregate score of 8-1. to whoop de doo Shout out to Kenny Dougal making his debut. Yes. Uh, Brisbane City uh, have la- will continue to lay claim also to him. Also, Sanford Rangers, apparently. He was a junior out that way as well. Hey. So good to see a couple of clubs. Good to see those cl- clubs like that actually being given the recognition and uh, of producing a player like that because he was with Brisbane City and the Raw in the NPL. I wasn't aware of Sanford him playing at Sanford until they shared that at the weekend. So it's, I think it's great to see those clubs getting re- the credit and the re- acknowledgement when players make it to the national team. Absolutely. And um, if you do want a full recap of the weekend NPL action, make sure you tune in to the NPL Sunday show, which is released every Sunday night, featuring Scott and Adam. Um, and probably as a big selling point for everyone listening, I'm not on it a lot. And Paddy and Selma this week as well. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Yes, as mentioned, the A-League is still just kind of sort of on track to complete their season on time. With three weekends remaining, we've got six teams still in the mix. Obviously, uh, Melbourne City, the Premiers, Sydney FC, they both have the weekend off. It is Central Coast against MacArthur on Saturday night before Sunday, 3.05pm, Morton Daly Stadium, the Raw take on Adelaide. It is the fourth finals meeting between the two sides. The previous three have all been in Adelaide. Um, not at Cooper's slash Hindmarsh Stadium, like I'm now worried that I actually put in my preview for work because there was the 2015 clash at the Adelaide Oval. As I feel like I'm starting to remember now, I might have to go do some quick editing. Uh, Adelaide 2-1 head-to-head. There was a 1-0 win for the Reds in 2009 against the then Queensland Raw. Fairly spiteful encounter in 2013. 2-1 to Brisbane. I, I'm i trying to remember if it was Franich or Hingett that scored in that game. I think it was Franich. Ratten and Franich. There we go. And um, that was also like completely just... That was a complete bloodbath of a game for the Roar as well because from memory, they actually wound up like losing about half their squad there due to injuries and had to take a shell of a team to Sydney the following week. Yeah, Jack Hingott was injured in that game and so was Thomas Broich. Broich played from memory and Hingott did not and we're just not talking about what happened the week after. Yes, and then 2015, 2-1, uh, goal from Awan Mobile at the Adelaide Oval at, in this same stage as well. It was the elimination final. That was another, from memory, shell of a raw team that just scraped into finals, but I think that may have been the year Perth got um, done for the salary cap, so the raw got in kind of on a technicality, but they still got in. Default, default. Hey, it's still a finals appearance, and that's what the record books are going to show. Um, Yeah, where they just kind of ran out of legs in the final few minutes of that match. Those 
Fixtures probably won't have a whole lot to do with this game on Sunday, though. Brisbane won at Morton Daly when it was Dolphin Stadium back in January, right at the end of January. 3-1 in one of their better performances of the season. A brace from Wenzel Halls and that Jay O'Shea wonder strike with uh, Constantopoulos scoring for Adelaide. Then four weeks ago, it was 1-0 down in Adelaide as the Raw... From memory, that was a very heavily rotated side and a very young forward line as well, wasn't it, Adam? It was. Uh, I believe uh, Cyrus Demi made his starting debut. Alex Parsons was also in that side as well that started. So, yeah, it was It was right at the end of the, the like the really heavy period of, of that 11-game uh, and 38-day run. So, yeah, it, it was. It's probably a performance that, you know, that not many people will remember too fondly because it was yeah, a sort of, you'd say an underwhelming performance, but you know, given the circumstances, you're always going to expect that. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, so I think both games, I think the uh, the win in round six, that really was a sign you know, about the Raw as far as you know where they were heading heading towards, because they, they were in fine form in round six. Adelaide, I think they were a bit ambushed up, up here at Morton Daly, and Look, let's, let's hope that they can that the Raw can start strong again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was one of those games that when it was played, we just put it down to a bad spot where Moon just had to put the players that were something resembling fresh out onto the pitch. And yeah, it was just one of those games where, unfortunately, they were undone by a pretty good goal from Craig Goodwin from memory. It was a good goal from Craig Goodwin. And uh, Jay O'Shea actually was on the bench in this game, James. So not only was the, uh, the front line heavily rotated the midfield was as well so it was certainly a game where the Raw took the approach of resting players where possible and the first game was that not the game which got delayed by an hour because of the storm down in Sydney and the outgoing illustrious broadcaster said no you can't play two games at once so you're going to have to wait is that not the game? That was the that game. Is, that was the game. It was like an 8.40 kickoff as well. That better not happen again on this weekend I can, I can assure you. Oh god. Yeah, I, that's not going to be pleasant. We are kicking off at 3.05 whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so I suppose one thing that really does stand out about both of these sides to me as well is just the fact that consistency for one reason or another has really eluded them. Like Adelaide, obviously we've seen them at their worst. They were pretty average in that defeat back in round six, but although that, to be fair, did also come when they were struggling for numbers as well. And then... Uh, yeah, they have also shown to be just an unbelievably ruthless attacking side when someone like Craig Goodwin is on form. And I know he's not the most popular player here in Brisbane or pretty much anywhere in the A-League, but I do kind of like the fact that Stefan Mork has, inc- has embraced that, you know, kind of a jerk role across the competition where he loves to stir up opposition players and fans and... Just, he's got a little bit of that George Gregan to him uh, in terms of mannerisms. Just knowing what to say to get under someone's skin. Or maybe he's auditioning to play for the All Blacks, for all we know. Oh, I don't know about the All Blacks. Uh, just in terms yeah, of look, sledging. Uh, Stephen Mork, you know, after he left here, we thought, oh, maybe the, his sort of career has passed him and you know, he's you know, be a, a bit part player. But he's sort of really you know, come back to the fore at... Um, yeah, you know, I'd like give him the captaincy, and he, he really has you know performed very well down uh, yeah, there. So it's sort of reignited where he was probably about two or three years ago. So he, he leads by example. Like I said, the his approach sometimes can get under the skin of a lot of you know opposition fans and players. But you know what? 
it works it works for Adelaide, and I think he's been I think he's been uh, a big part of their sort of success where they've had success this season, Adelaide. Given how well, how well rugby Australia go, particularly against the All Blacks, James, they might as well give Morka go at scrum half. Nothing else has worked in the last <laughs> fifteen years, but. I think he was a square peg in a round hole up here in Brisbane. He was kind of brought in to play a particular role under John Aloisi, and that didn't work for, for whatever reason he wanted to choose, and he didn't really suit the previous manager either, and he moved on. And I think in Adelaide, he fits a lot. He fits perfectly with who they are as a club and what they want to be going forward. So I think he's found a home for himself that works, and now he's starting to see the best of him. We're starting to see that player who, at the low end, is a top-quality A-League player and who might be on his day good enough to be a fringe international type of player so we're seeing the best of Stefan Walk now and he's certainly a player if Adelaide are going to come up here and get a result at the weekend he's going to be integral to it I really hope he isn't just purely from a fan perspective I hope they come up here and lose 4-0 but if they come up here and win, <laughs> he's going to be a part of it yeah I know and also the other player that you really have to watch out for would be Craig Goodwin because yeah. If, if someone's capable of just saying, screw it, we're going to win today and I'm going to make sure that we do, it is Goodwin. The uh, question is, how do you slow him down? My suggestion is give him a wedgie. Yeah, that'd be pretty much it. I, I actually think, personally, I think Adelaide's uh, chance of advancement uh, begin and end with Craig Goodwin. If he, if he has a good game and you know, he can take control and score some goals, um, yeah, th- I think Raw are going to find it very, very hard to sort of, to, to come back. So I think, I think, Plan A would be stop Craig Goodwin and then let the rest follow. I think that's got to be sort of the plan, but not without sort of, you know, forgetting they've got, still got a couple of other, you know, very, very good players on that side. But Craig Goodwin, he, he's the um, catalyst for it all. And they, if they um, let him sort of, you know, have his way, yeah, it's going to be a very uh, tough afternoon for the Raw. And conversely, just looking at it from a Raw perspective as well, obviously uh, Riku Danzaki is that, uh, danger player that you you get the feeling Adelaide are just going to look at and go, well, he's not going to beat us. But I suppose you look at those secondary players and both sides do have people who can break that game open. Obviously, you've got um, Toure, uh, you've got Yengi for Adelaide and for the Raw, obviously, like I, I don't think he's had a good season by his standards. I think he's continued to work hard. But do you feel like Dylan Wenzel-Halls is right on the verge of just saying, all right, I'm going to prove my worth for my next contract. He may very well may very well have that approach. I don't think he's signed yet, has he? He's out of contract, so perhaps he might take that approach. But I certainly think that with, with Riku, going back to the Sydney game briefly, you could see when when he's not had his absolute best, the Raw aren't the Raw are off their game. So he's absolutely crucial, and I'm sure Adelaide will take a similar approach to that with Sydney took of to a point, James. Let somebody else beat us. Because Riku's, more, Riku's the player for the Raw in this final series who can light it up for the Raw. He's done it. When the Raw played at their best this year, he's been the player who's lit it up, and I think he's the one to keep an eye on. Wenzel Halls, he's going to work hard. He's going to make those runs, and it may very well fall for him this weekend. He's been in a bit of a drought in front of goal, but it may it may end this weekend. Fingers crossed it does. Yeah, absolutely, and he does keep trying. I think that's probably been the most admirable uh, part of uh, Wendell Hall as well. Is the goals haven't been flowing, but he's still not afraid to try and take on a shot. All right. We're going to wrap up the podcast now, but we're going to do it a little bit differently with a bit of a quick fire uh, question. We'll go to Adam first. What are, you, what are you looking for in Central Coast MacArthur? 
Uh, the fairy tale continues for Central Coast. There we go. Scott, what are you looking for? Uh, big crowd gets Mariners over the line. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to. I'm so happy they're getting yeah. a home final. You, you and me both, and this is the perfect opportunity for the fans to get out and support their club. Um, I just wish it was against Wellington, because I think they deserve to be in the finals too, but it's against MacArthur. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, what are we going to be talking about this time next week from the Raw Adelaide final, Adam? Uh, Brisbane Raw march on uh, after late winner. Scott? Brisbane Raw on to Amy Park. There we go. And I'm going to say that uh, a Gillespie goal gets the raw home. I don't even know if he's playing, but I, I really hope he is because if he scores, uh, you know, that long-range bomb or something, I'm going to look like an absolute genius. Um, okay, back to you, Adam, quickly. Will the Socceroos win their final two World Cup qualifiers? Final two. Um, I was going <laughs> to yeah. say one, but my response would be is the Pope Catholic, as far as Nepal. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm still not sold on whether they'll beat Jordan, only because it'll be mission accomplished. Jordan probably will need points to wrap up second and to get up into the um, get into the best sort of second place towards. So, um, so yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah, I'll say yeah, yes, yes that they'll win their next match against Nepal. I reckon they'll draw against Jordan. Scott? If, if they don't beat Nepal, I demand a whole new team to be playing against Jordan because that's absolutely disgraceful. But they'll beat Nepal. I think they'll beat Jordan as well, actually. I think they'll get four wins out of four. Cool. And uh, final question, Euros predictions. Adam, who's going to win? Oh, jeez. You know, I, in this in this case, I always seem to default to Italy. I think playing, playing their first three group stages... That, at home, um, they're, they're always built for tournament football. You, you never can go past the Italians, unfortunately. Scott? I'm going to win when England let, the, let their fans down in the semi-final at Wembley for a start. <laughs> <laughs> for a start, but I'm, going to, I'm, just, I'm picking the obvious. I'm going with France. And the, the only reason France won't win this tournament is if they have a 2010-esque meltdown. And I don't think they're going to. I think they'll win. I think they're the best team. I don't either. I'm disappointed neither of you tipped Northern Macedonia. But um, I'm I'm taking France to beat Spain in the final, England to lose uh, to Portugal on penalties in the round of 16. Oh, I'm just, really <laughs> I, look, with, without um, plugging my day job too much, there is value on England uh, losing on penalties. That's all I'm going to say. Surely we all want England to get to the semi-final at Wembley. They're all up for it. Thinking, yes, football's coming home, all the rest of it. And they just absolutely wet the bed at home and get thumped. Not, that... not Brazil, Germany, yes. Not quite that badly, but just a nice, comfortable win. We'll see. That, all right. Wouldn't that be the 25th anniversary of uh, of that penalty Ooh. shootout loss against uh, Germany? It could well be. They haven't lost to Germany in a tournament for a while either. Maybe they're due. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sold on the Germans either in this tournament, I'll tell you which what, is we might have, a very we might strange just, feeling. Uh, we might have just completely pissed off our uh, our English football supporting listeners. Yeah, well, I'm, they were due. All right. That is going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you, Scott. Feel better? Oh, thank you very much. Good to talk to you once again. Yes, and thank you everyone for listening. Uh, There's a whole lot of football coming up. A-League, Socceroos, Euros, and also a whole lot of local uh, football coming up with the NPL and 
FFA Cup qualifiers as well. So, and the Kappa Women's Super Cup. Make sure you're tuning in for all of that. Get out to the grounds if you can, be at Morton Daly Stadium or one of the local fields. This has been the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back to recap it all next weekend and preview a whole lot more. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you then.